Welcome back to the Lancaster School District Podcast, School Buzz. I'm Rebecca Cooksey, I'm the host, and we have a a great topic that is very timely right now. Uh, The purpose of our podcast is to discuss relevant topics with individuals who work for our district or parents or students. Um, The ideas and opinions expressed are their own. They're not the district-sanctioned message, and this is just a platform for the exchange of ideas and information. So our topic for today is standardized testing, which is very timely because everybody's going through the standardized testing. If the child is in third through eighth grade in our district, they're going to be taking a test, and they're going to be taking several tests during the year. And it's really, this is to explain to parents and community members why this testing is so important to us and what we use the data for. So the state of California has kind of changed the way they rank schools. It used to be if you got to an 800, you know, real estate agents were thrilled to show houses around your school district or your school. But that whole rating has changed, and it's changed to the California dashboard, which uses attendance, uh, suspension rate, academic achievement, um, student voice, a whole bunch of things that compiles that number of where schools are. That's made it a lot more complicated for parents because they're like, okay, is it a good school or not? They, you know, they have to look at several different factors. Those changes have helped us do multiple measures because now it's just not one thing that we're measuring. We're measuring more than just one thing, and it's not just one test, which is kind of good for us. So I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves and tell us your name, what you do, and how long you've worked with the district. My name is Leslie Rubalcaba. I'm the coordinator of English Learner Programs. Um, I coordinate, of course, the programs for English learners along with some state testing that also happens. In addition to CASP, we have LPAC state testing that um, a lot of our English learners take. I'm Allison Hazard. I'm the site instructional coach at Miller Elementary School. I've been with the district now for 15 years. Now, Allison, what, what's an instructional coach? Essentially, what, we, what our role is, is we um, guide teachers through multiple areas of understanding like um, the standards that they're going to be teaching with the curriculum. We also offer like ability to sit down and do lessons, studies. We also, uh, as instructional coaches, we support them in the classrooms for various roles with um, assessments if they need support, writing lessons for new curriculum. So we have different ways that we're able to help them in the classroom or outside after hours. Great. So you were a classroom teacher? Yes, I was a classroom teacher for 12 years, actually, before I became an inside instructional. And Leslie, were you a classroom teacher also? I was. So I've been in the district for 20 years now. I taught for 10 years, and I was an instructional coach for five years before becoming. We've seen a lot since both of you have been teaching for a long time and been in the district a long time. How has testing changed over the last, you know, like let's say decade? Well, it definitely has changed the, for one of the most obvious things that has changed is the platform that we use. It used to be a paper and pencil type of test, and now we use a computer-based test. Um, So that is one of the major differences of of our assessment, in addition to some others. Some of the biggest things that have changed also is we're really focused, the, the testing now definitely focuses a lot on helping, like gathering the data from the, the assessments that we've been given um, by the state SBAC, and it helps us align our teaching practices and kind of provide better instruction toward, for students to identify the areas of need with the testing, and it's very specific where how they're doing. So, so in addition to that, um, one of the, another 
key changes that happen is it used to be a multiple choice test where students used to be able to just eliminate answers and it was a, a one answer type of uh, question, whereas now it's a multiple answer type of questions. They have to go and find, uh, to, uh, find the source that they got their answers from. They have to defend their answer. And they have to explain in math, they have to be able to explain how they got to this results or the solution to the problem. So it's a little more involved. It's a lot more critical thinking rather than just a straightforward one clear one answer. Yeah, and I, I noticed that too because I was teaching when we were doing the old STAR test and the CST test and that was the big change when we moved to the SBAC assessments because there was not just one right answer. There could be two or three right answers. You had to write do a short answer to to justify where you got your answer or how you solved it or even do a drawing to show how you got the answer. So the change that what we're asking kids to do is so much more in depth than what we were doing 10 years ago and what the three of us had in school when we were tested. So I think parents need to understand that, that we're really asking kids to do a, a lot of critical thinking and explaining themselves that we never had to do as kids. And so the test can be very in-depth. And I, I'm glad you brought up the computer that's all computer-based because that was a big push when we were getting out our Chromebooks and making sure that they worked right for our kids and that they could use them on a daily basis in the classroom so that when we got to the test, it wasn't brand new to use a computer and then be trying to be learning the computer and taking a test at the same time. So that, that was one thing we kind of focused on in the district is making sure kids had access to technology every day instead of just during testing time. I believe that a lot of the teachers felt the very first year we took it computer-based uh, that the students were really not showing what they knew but more their computer skills because the students were not, they had not had years of experience using the computer or taking a test on the computer, so therefore they didn't feel comfortable and they weren't really testing their skills or what they knew, but they were testing their computer skills because they didn't know how to navigate through the system that we were using, the platform we were using. Uh, another thing, I'm, I think you're absolutely right because kids were learning the computer. We have classroom sets now of Chromebooks where the kids can take the test in their own classroom, which makes them a lot more comfortable than having to go to a computer lab and being out of their, their comfort zone. So I think that helps also. It definitely has helped and that um, has allowed them to stay within their testing environment. So it lessens that also test anxiety yeah. for students. But like Leslie was saying is the significant piece with that is kids are now having more t access to the technology, you like to technology. So they're able to navigate the testing system confidently. And now they're focused more on what is being asked on the test instead of like, let's go back even six years ago when they were just exposed to it brand new. Now you see kids just kind of a part of their everyday. How they do things. Of everything. Right. And have you seen, because you're out in classrooms a lot more often than I am, have you seen teachers kind of mirroring some of those things that we do on the cast for the Smart Balance Assessments as things that they're doing in the classroom? So they're asking kids for short answers or have, having them explain math, you know, answers? Absolutely. Actually, some of the big things that are happening on camp, across the district is a lot of schools are looking at the, um, taking IABs and using them as instructional time with students to go over some of the test items that have already been out there and they kind of review them with the students on how possibly they can answer the questions and how it would look when they're on the actual computer to take the test. Now you, you mentioned IABs, what does that mean? The interim assessments, there um, are sample tests that have already been given to students in prior years testing. 
Okay, so kids can test, do those with their teacher, and the teacher can use that information to kind of guide their instruction. Yeah, there's two ways that teachers um, are using them in the classroom. The, the students can actually take it like an actual practice test where the teacher will get the, um, the data back and they can kind of move forward with seeing how students did on that particular subject or standard and they can talk through it that way. Or the teacher can go over one specific question as a whole class and then they can answer the questions together as just another learning process for the, the standards in which they're trying to cover. Great. One other thing that we're starting to see is, and not only in our testing grades, but now we're starting to see it, of course, starting in kindergarten, how our teachers are starting to equip our students with different types of questioning so that they go deeper with their depth of knowledge. They, they are, um, just by asking, how do you know? The students are having to think and justify their answers. So that's the beginning stages in the kinder, at a kindergarten level so that by the time they get to third grade when they actually have to take this test and they're having to practice, the students are familiar with the types of questions that they have to be able to answer. Great. I'm glad you're seeing those changes in our classroom because if they're doing it on a daily basis, then when they get to the test, it's not this completely different thing that we're asking kids to do. Um, so. Why is the CAFS data, and that's the California Assessment Performance Task thing, uh, it's Smarter Balance, California just named it its own thing, which is C-A-A-S-P-P, -P. Um, <laughs> and we get that data back uh, pretty soon, actually. But why, why is that information or that data so important for schools? So um, it is the way that the state measures our school, that gives them the grades, in addition to other things, of course. Um, this is just the academic piece that is used. But it's also a, a good reflection piece for our schools to know what we need to support our students with. So we know that by the time we get that data, our students have moved on to the next year. However, we can still look at that information and make decisions based on where our holes continue to be, our gaps continue to be. Um, whether it is reading comprehension, vocabulary, those are very clear and evident in our data that we can still go back and the following year continue to improve our practice um, in the classroom. It also a lot, it's really important also that when we get our data back from the test scores, and like Leslie says, it does allow us to adjust our practices and support for students, but it also helps us with teachers and um, supporting them in the classroom and kind of helping identify what it is in each grade level that might need help or as a certain students and it's just offered a, a very in-depth look to what we could really do to target students needs on a multiple level with offering support to teachers as well so you not only is the data used to measure student performance and to see how far the kids are growing but also to look at the academic program and say oh this is a strength in our academic program or this is, hey, this is something we need to shore up a little bit. Maybe we need more materials or more training in this area to help teachers be more successful in delivering that to students. Absolutely. It's offered um, us the ability to really hone in on the need, of, and not necessarily just the need of just trying to figure out, we know we have this, students are not performing as well, or maybe they are doing well, what's going well with the curriculum we have, and where should we possibly support with the teachers outside the classroom. Another beauty about having this data, of course, obviously I'm passionate about looking at data, is that uh, we can look at demographic information. We can look at different subgroups. So what may not be so obvious in the general score, 
Um, it may be obvious depending on the ethnic group that we're looking at or the different student uh, groups that we're looking at. So for instance, our English learners may not be doing as well, again, and I'm just going to reference uh, vocabulary, for instance, or um, in justifying their answer. It will give us clear evidence that that's, that's a student population, it's not doing well, so that helps us as um, educators to be able to bring additional resources and supports for that student population. And I know you've done that, a lot of work with that, Leslie, with the, um, with the English language learners, giving them some Saturday school preparation or intercession preparation in order to take their tests so they can be more successful. So targeting places where we knew they were a little bit low and then giving them extra support in that. So you can tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so when we looked at our data, and again, it's a state assessment, we looked at both CASP but also our LPAC, our language development test, where we noticed that two of the domains were needed to be strengthened. So we focused our Saturday academies on those two domains. So we still gave them, of course, uh, some support with the other domains because they need that reinforcement, but we really zeroed in. And so when we did the trainings with teachers, we made sure that we were focusing on, it was reading and writing, those were the two domains that we noticed that our English learners needed additional support with. So um, over a period of four Saturdays, we really focused on reading and writing practices that will help our students, that would help our students. So I can't wait to see those results. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> and with the data I know that we've seen over the couple of years, um, the district as a whole has kind of honed in like Leslie's saying, on not necessarily, we have focused on the demographics, but also just specific subjects. For math, I know as a whole, our district was struggling in some areas. So as a district, we tried to find, they found different ways to support that need. So I know we've done multiple things outside of like having um, professional developments for like um, having Dr. Douglas for our math. Um, the instructional coaches have also gone through training for under, kind of diving deeper into the math standards so we can kind of focus on where we can support teachers in the classroom and the students, um, how they might need to access that particular um, standard as well based on the data that we keep getting back. Right, and the, the math standards have changed dramatically from when we were in school. You know, it was very much skill-based, you know, you would drill and kill and you do your minute madness of, you know, your multiplication, but that really is not the focus anymore. It really is on those con conceptual development which is a huge change for our parents. It's a huge change for our teachers and getting people to understand those shifts in the standards and then teaching them well to kids. So that professional development has been very useful for our teachers. And I, and I know that you guys spent a lot of time on lesson studies this year where teachers would develop a lesson and teach it together. Absolutely. Um, we went to Dr. Douglas trainings on specific, um, I guess, standards for each grade level. And then we would go back with the teachers and kind of focus on that specific standard and develop a lesson to support that need in the classroom. And then as a team, we would go in and just kind of observe how, how students are interacting and, under, and learning those concepts. And that was a very eye-opening experience for a lot of teachers because within the, the SVAC testing system, they're not, it's not paper pencil anymore. It's very, it's computer, it's all computer based. So students are asked to explain their answers much by typing out their answers, not always just giving a, a, a number. So doing these lesson studies has allowed us to give also students the ability to explain their answers for math, which is another area that we would have not been able to really identify and see that struggle if it wasn't for the data that we're seeing from the cast. 
Right. And I love that opportunity for teachers to work together and, and build their strengths and that ability to get out of your classroom because so often you're all by yourself in a classroom and you never get to see what your partner is doing. And just that chance to get out and see somebody else teach and go, oh, that's a great idea. You know, that, that sharing of ideas, I think, is wonderful. And we've heard nothing but great things from teachers that go, have gone through that experience. Mm -hmm. I think they feel very comfortable after seeing that they, they're all in this together or that we are all in this together. Right. It's not, you know, we're, we're just learning from each other. Exactly. And, and if it wasn't for the data that we've been gathering, we would be grasping at straws trying to figure out where the holes are coming from. And with this data, since the SBAC is pretty specific in terms of the claims and targets that they're addressing, we're able to now kind of focus and hone in on specific things, which I believe is really going to help students in general in terms of their, um, their just critical thinking skills. Now we're kind of exposing them to multiple things and not just one way of learning like we mentioned about when we took tests. It was very <laughs> just one way. And now we're kind of just also kind of comforting students like you're doing it the right way. There's not just one way of doing these things. And so we've learned that through this whole process also. And I think allowing math to be a little bit more creative than it's been in the past because it was a lot of it just like you said, one way to do things and very concentrated on procedures rather than the development of concepts. So I'm, I'm glad we're changing that a little bit. Um, some kids get very, very anxious when they're taking a test. And so what are some strategies that parents can help their kids with at home? Uh, well, definitely speaking about this test in a positive way. Mm -hmm. uh, because if we uh, talk to our students and we tell them, well, you have to do well on this test, then that's when the anxiety level goes up, uh, it builds up. Um, so letting them know that uh, no matter what, they're very smart, they're going to do their best, just to try their best, get enough rest, and give it their, give it their all. You know, if they encourage them, we're doing that in our classrooms, but we also want the parents to be able to talk to them at, in their homes about this assessment in a natural way. It's a way to show everything they have learned, and they have learned a lot. Now it's time to demonstrate it, uh, but make them feel that they can do this. Yeah, uh, just what Leslie's mentioning, it's not very much different in terms of if we try to tell students different than normal testing during the school day or any other test they come across, that it's just another test that just allows them to show all that they know. Prior to this big test, they've taken multiple tests. So if, if parents kind of reiterate that to them, is this is just the test that kind of like summarize everything that you've learned within this grade within your current grade level. This is just take your time. There's no need to stress about it. You've you've covered all this stuff, and just to give them the confidence. Right, and I think the great thing about the Smarter Balance assessments is that it really is um, focused on progress and not about you've got to be at this high level and you've got to you know got to be way up here at a green or a, a blue level but it's more about showing your progress every year and so we want to see that every year you're growing of course you you've been in school you you're, you're going to grow but not always having to hit that high mark all the time but just showing what you learned this year and showing that you move forward so i think that's a, a nice growth model for kids to be concentrated on and i always told my my parents Make sure they eat a good breakfast before they come. Make sure they're going to bed on time. Don't don't take them to see um, Endgame you know? <laughs> yes. until midnight. You know the day before the test. So just make you know those good parenting tips of you know making sure they're well rested and fed. And if they're not feeling good, 
you know, like normal, you, if your kid's sick, you keep them home, and they, we've got time to make up that test if, if we need to. Um, what, what should the public know about our test scores? Because that's something that is always published in the paper and is put on the websites. Uh, you know, it's always when they're released, uh, there's always a big, you know, news thing about California schools. So what does the public need to know about test scores? So I think you kind of hit on it a little bit when you mentioned that it's based on growth. Um, that again, even for our district, it's not about always being, our student population is definitely vastly different than the Beverly Hill school districts, uh, but they're not looking at us now comparing us to that district. They're looking at us in terms of growth. Are we making growth? Are we doing anything? Are we changing our practice to improve? So I think that when they look at those scores, rather than looking at a number or a color, they should be also looking at how we did last year and how we are moving and progressing this school year. Right. And I, I think that's a really great um, thing that you brought up, Leslie, that every population is different. And the things that they have access to or the, or the amount of money that's put into a school district or, you know, just even in a big city, kids have more access to museums and things to do. Then our kids living in the desert. We don't have as much as other communities do. And, and that has to be in consideration of how, what knowledge our kids are able to gain, too. Although we do our absolute best oh. to get, get them access to everything. Absolutely. With your virtual field trips. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing that I do want parents to know is that this year, when your child's results come back, they can see them in their parent portal on um, PowerSchool, which is really nice. We will not be mailing them home any, anymore because oh. um, that's a new thing from the state. They come electronically. So they'll be in the parent portal. So um, when your kid starts back at school and if you want to need some help to find those scores, um, your school will very much show you and, and give you access to that. But you've got that already as a parent. Um, and, and as soon as we get them, they'll be uploaded. The nice thing about the electronic system is we get the results of our kids back so much faster than we used to. Um, it's, it's so nice as a teacher. Sometimes they're back before the end of the school year which is great when you've got the kids right there and you can see what their progress is. So it's nice celebrate. to celebrate. Yes. Yeah, you celebrate, celebrate the class, right. <laughs> which is nice. Uh, so thank you, ladies, for coming on the podcast with me today. I know it's a stressful time of year. We're almost done. But this is the, the hard, long run at the end of school, and we've got testing on top of it. just makes it tough. It's a, a tough time of year. Uh, our community shout-out this time is for the Sunrise Lancaster Sunrise Rotary. I'm a member of this club, but I just love the people in it. And one of the things that they did for the kids in Lancaster is they've done some bike rodeos. And they go to schools, and they have the kids bring bikes that have, like, flat tires or broken pedals, and they fix those bikes for kids. They do that twice a year, and I just – it's such a great group of people. I love being part of them, and I love seeing the kids. They're so happy about having their bikes fixed and maybe getting a new helmet. It's just it's – a, a thank you, Rotary. Um, so – We've got our podcast that you can find on SoundCloud. I will eventually figure out how to do iTunes one of these days. <laughs> um, thank you, ladies, for coming on. Our next episode is going to be about computer science immersion, one of my happy places in the world, uh -huh. uh, Mariposa. And uh, next year, West Wing will also be a computer science immersion school. So thank you very much. Thank you uh, for inviting you. Yeah. Thank you for us. <laughs> and at the end of our program, you'll hear um, Kelly Stoke with our Sierra Music Kids playing simple truths.